Empowering parents and families are core priorities for Senate Republicans in Harrisburg. This week, the Senate delivered on that promise to Pennsylvania families by approving Senate Bill 7, legislation that puts in place parental controls of sexually explicit content found in our public schools. So today, we sit down with the author of this parental empowerment legislation to talk about the bill, what it does, what it doesn't do, and what it would mean for Pennsylvanians should it become law. Thank you for tuning in to another edition of Kristen's Corner with your host, State Senator Kristen Phillips-Hill. Today, I am so pleased to be joined for a second time on this podcast by my friend and colleague, Senator Ryan Ament from Lancaster County. Senator Ament, welcome back to the program. Thank you. It's good to be back. So this bill, it has received its fair share of headlines, and I've seen a lot of misinformation about this bill and what it does. But at the crux of it, we want to empower parents with their children's public education, specifically when it comes to sexually explicit content. So Senate Bill 7, what does it do and maybe what doesn't it do? You nailed it. That's at the heart of the issue. The the heart of this issue is who do we trust to uh, make choices, to make decisions with respect to the content, the extremely graphic content that our children could have access to in our schools? The reality is, is there are books that are made available to students, either in school libraries or part of course content that a teacher may assign in Pennsylvania schools uh, that have been found to contain extremely graphic sexual content. We're not talking about Shakespeare, Romeo and Juliet. Uh, We're not talking about To Kill a Mockingbird. We are talking about extremely graphic material. Material that is so graphic that when families contact me to ask for examples, or fellow legislators contact me to ask for examples, or members of the media contact me to ask for examples, I can't share the email because it would be a violation of our Senate rules. We've gone to great lengths to ensure that we can protect individuals to whom we are sharing this content with just to demonstrate the extremely graphic nature uh, of the books, the materials that we're talking about. Most constituents who contact me who may be opposed to the legislation, when I actually show them the examples, and we're very careful to blur out the images, but to get the idea with some of these books that are in Pennsylvania libraries, in Pennsylvania schools, most folks, their initial reaction after they recoil is to say, I thought this was already illegal. I can't believe that this material is available in schools. What the legislation very clearly does, very specifically does, doesn't even ban that material. Although I think there's an argument made some of this probably doesn't belong in our schools, but that's not what we're saying. That's a determination to be made by local school districts, local school boards. What we are saying is that a local school district must establish a policy, a process by which they identify this material that meets the sexually explicit definition that we have in the bill that they list materials that are available in the school that meet that definition, that they notify parents of this material, and then create a process by which families opt their child in, proactively say, yes, I want my child to have access to this content. Um, That should be a choice made by families, not made by an educator or anyone in the school without a parent's knowledge and consent. 
Well, I watched that Senate Education Committee hearing that was recently held, and you had a constituent who testified about the books, the images, and the language in those books that are, as you noted, readily available on bookshelves in school libraries. As you noted, the news media cannot even show the content on the five or six o'clock news because it is that graphic. They would get in trouble with the Federal Communications Commission for those images. I raised three children. I'm a mom of three. I wonder that if you cannot show it on the evening news, why should it be in a public school without parents being able to say, hey, you know, I don't want my child to see this. So your constituent gave, I thought, really compelling testimony on the issue. Talk a little bit about that. Yes, this has been a real point of frustration for me. Uh, quite frankly, dishonesty on the part of some in the mainstream news media. I've challenged them at every point, particularly when they editorialize against the legislation and call it falsely a book ban or attempt to dismiss moms like Emily Zimmerman having some loose association with groups that they view as being extreme, Moms for Liberty, or attacking a student who has the courage to stand up in a school board meeting and to raise concerns with some of the content. Uh, that's been really disappointing. But what's been really disingenuous is so at the same time, the media, not all, but much of the mainstream media has been calling opponent or calling supporters of this legislation extreme and minimizing the graphic nature of this content. I've challenged them time and time again, print the images. If it's not as bad as you say, if, in fact, we are attempting to ban books that you you believe are along the likes of To Kill a Mockingbird or to Shakespeare or the Bible or whatever ludicrous example they offer as something that we're trying to, to ban, which certainly not, I've said, share the images, publish the images. And if you can't publish the images, to your point, if you can't show those images on air, if you can't publish those images in your newspaper, share with the public why. Share with the public why. At least be honest with the graphic nature of, uh, of these images. So that's been a real point of, of contention. Emily Zimmerman did a phenomenal job. I would point out, uh, by the way, in large part because these issues and the energy and the passion around these issues, seven weeks before a school board election in Lancaster County, seven weeks before, declared herself a write-in candidate and defeated a sitting school board president in Warwick. It, it was So it gives you a sense of the energy and the passion, not only that she has, but the concern that constituents, uh, not just in Lancaster County, but all across the Commonwealth did. And she did a phenomenal job. I encourage folks to go watch the testimony. And she speaks, she shared the images, but she also speaks in her testimony directly to the graphic nature of, of these images. So you and your team, you created a website for folks, especially those individuals over the age of 18, because these materials are such that we don't want young people under the age of 18 viewing. But to view this material to see for themselves what we are talking about here today. And I'm not going to mention any of the books or the excerpts in question, um, but I think it's extremely concerning that there is a group out there fighting to keep this information readily available without parental consent. I was always under the opinion that that was my responsibility. And those kinds of materials need to have the context that I as a parent could provide to my children in the event that I wanted them to view them. So if you're out there listening and you want to see what it is we are talking about, you can visit 
senatorament.com. And I'll spell that for you. That's A-U-M-E-N-T.com. And you can find the link. Of course, everything is blurred out, correct? Yes, it is. Right. Yes. So it's on your website. You've created a section where you put to rest a lot of the false accusations about the bill. And I think it's important to tell our listeners what the bill does and what the bill does not do, because we've seen several in the media try to paint a picture of a book ban. When I look at this, nothing could be further from the truth. This is not a book ban. This does not prohibit materials from being there. It simply says that a parent is empowered to make decisions about the content that their children are viewing. Did I get that right? Got exactly right. Okay. So you list another claim that this bill is unnecessary because parents can already opt their children out of books that they do not like. Is that? Yeah. So, so let me address both of them if I could r- real quickly. The first in terms of the book ban, again, if folks go and they listen, they, they, they watch the hearing, the Education Law Center, who has been at the forefront, along with the PSEA and the AFT, the PFT, the teachers unions, have been at the forefront of making this, along with the news media, making this false claim about being a book ban. I challenge them directly. Where in the bill, what language specifically in the bill do you believe constitutes a book ban? Two issues they they raised that we refuted quite quickly. The first is they pointed the language in the bill that essentially empowers school districts to remove books or to not purchase books. But what they conveniently left out was the term age-appropriate materials in school libraries or part of course content. That's a right that school districts already have, appropriately so, to not purchase a book or not have a book in a library or not have a book as part of course content that's not age-appropriate. And a school district can make that determination at the local level. Very few people I talk to disagree with that. That's a right in current law, and we should preserve that. We're simply restating that. The second argument they make is that this will lead to a book ban. So as people become more and more aware, they will demand that this graphic content be removed from, from schools. I actually argue the opposite point, and that is for those that are concerned about the banning of books, I think this actually helps prevent what is commonly known as a book ban because you're giving families information and you're empowering them to make choices. If my child came home from school with some of the material that I'm talking about, the examples that are on my website, came home with that material without my knowledge or consent, I would be outraged. And if there was no process for me to challenge that and for me to opt my child out of seeing that content, if that process didn't exist, you bet I would demand that book be removed. If that was the only way I could protect my child, that would be the logical next step. So this effort is critical for those who believe this material has a place in our schools or has a place among any age demographic, elementary, middle, or or high school. So certainly not a book ban. The the second point on the opt-in or opt-out, there are a couple of other important provisions of this bill why I believe is necessary. One, we define clearly what sexually explicit content is. That's clearly defined. No one has argued with me over the definition. And putting that definition, I think, in the school code is very, very important to provide guidance to school districts across the Commonwealth. Two, a process by which parents are notified and these materials are identified. All of that's in the bill that I think are also really important components. So another myth that I've heard is that schools 
do not have these materials available to children. This is merely a solution in search of a problem. What do you say to that? I just would encourage them to pay attention to the news. Each week, there's a news story coming out about books that are in libraries and, and, and schools in Pennsylvania. We found them in Lancaster County. I have to tell you, when they initially came to me with this issue three years ago, I was skeptical because there's no way in Lancaster County schools that these books are available to students in, in libraries or being assigned to a student as part of a part of an academic course. And I looked at the examples and uh, in fact, did the research and they were available and they are throughout the state. So it, it absolutely is an issue. And it's one that parents all across this Commonwealth are demanding that this General Assembly address. So another myth, which if you look at the content or watch that Senate Education Committee hearing, is that the content's not that bad. <laughs> yes. Again, we, I encourage folks who have an interest in this to visit our website at senderamit.com. We do want folks to verify that they are aged 18 and older, uh, which I think says a lot before they view the content. Uh, but, but it is extremely, extremely graphic uh, material. And again, uh, the news media won't publish it on television because they can't. Uh, newspapers are hesitant to publish even blurred out images in their newspaper, uh, which again points to the extremely graphic nature of this content. So another myth that you point out, and, and based on the folks that I represent in Southern York County, I know this is not the case, but I know that the media wants to spin it. And they say the majority of Americans want children to have unrestricted access to this material in schools. I have to tell you, um, when I am contacted by my parents who have read the news media accounts and believe my legislation is a book ban, and they contact me because they want to express their opposition to a book ban, and I begin to discuss, one, what the legislation actually does, and two highlight the graphic nature and share the examples, virtually none of them believe that children should have access to this type of material without their knowledge of content. Again, the typical reaction is one of shock, of outrage, and the statement I hear most frequently, and again, these are folks contacting me who believe they're opposed because they believe this is a book ban. The most common initial response is, I thought this was already illegal. I did not believe that this type of material was permissible in our schools. So finally, the last myth to discuss. This bill would remove anti-bullying lessons that help educate all children about how to treat people who are different than themselves. This has been one of the most disingenuous and disheartening accusations that have, that have been made is that somehow this book is going to, to harm marginalized or vulnerable students. That's usually is how this issue is brought up. We're brought up in the context that this constitutes an attack on LGBTQ students. Um, it couldn't be further from the truth. The clear language of the bill speaks to extremely graphic sexual content. So whether it's a heterosexual act or some other act, the heart of the issue is the graphic nature of it. And so um, the suggestion seems to be 
that marginalize vulnerable students, students who may be targeted for bullying, somehow need extremely graphic material to help educate them is, is offensive to me, that that's what they are, that that's what they're in need of. Well, I think we agree. And maybe more Democrats agree than the vote shows, but I don't think parental empowerment should be a partisan issue. I worked with a Democrat from Philadelphia on empowering parents when it comes to their child's access to social media platform. Again, parental empowerment is not a partisan issue. However, I have to tell you, I appreciate you coming on the program to talk about this bill and appreciate all the work you and your team have done on this measure to empower families and protect children. Senator Ahmet, where can folks learn more about what you and this legislation are all about? We'll certainly encourage folks to visit our website at senatorahmet.com. Right on the homepage, you'll see a link to additional information there. Uh, like you, I'm very active on social media, so encourage folks to uh, join the conversation at Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, or even LinkedIn at uh, Senator Ahmet. Well, thank you so much. Today's guest was Senator Ryan Ahmet of Lancaster County, who is the author of Senate Bill 7. And thank you again for tuning in to today's episode. If you have any questions, please do not hesitate to visit my website at senatorkristen.com.